Today on the Matt Wall Show, many people are very upset after Obama flouted every COVID safety guideline to throw himself a giant birthday party over the weekend. But I think there are some important lessons we can take from this, which go beyond simple outrage. And I'll explain today. Also, some truly inspiring, not to mention hilarious video of one old guy who has no time for the left's gender nonsense. You have to see this. I'll play that. And the media claims that children's hospitals are filling up with COVID patients. Is that even remotely true? Plus, a prison inmate gets uh, 25 years for beating a child rapist to death in prison. If you already feel like that sentence is grossly unfair, wait until you hear the rest of the story. And then in our daily cancellation, I will confront Nike over its latest commercial, which you will not be able to watch without dying of secondhand embarrassment. All of that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We're very excited to have a new sponsor on the show today, Buy Optimizers. Now, one of the best things you can possibly do to improve your health is get at least seven hours of quality sleep every night. Um, I rarely do, which is why I am decaying in front of your eyes. Uh, I, know, I know there are hundreds of reasons why you might not get enough sleep. I, I, I sleep. I've, as I said, been there myself. But one of the biggest reasons might be magnesium deficiency. And I'm always telling people this. When they complain about not getting enough sleep, I say, how's your magnesium doing? You see, magnesium is key to getting good sleep, but 75% of people are actually magnesium deficient. Is it any wonder so many people have sleep problems? To help fix sleep problems and fully enjoy the calming effects of magnesium, I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. Bioptimizer sounds like a transformer. It's not. It's something that you need for your sleep. Magnesium Breakthrough is 100% organic and made with vegetarian, non-GMO ingredients. In fact, I would take it myself if it was kosher. If it was kosher. I think this was written for Ben Shapiro. Um, for, but it is important to read kosher. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Walsh and use Walsh10 during checkout to save 10%. The first problem with Obama's raucous, opulent 60th birthday party this past weekend is that he's a grown man throwing a birthday party for himself. As I have long argued, nobody should have a birthday party between the ages of 16 and 100. Before that point and after, you may be excused for wanting your friends and family to celebrate you for simply living another year. But in between, your birthday party, such as it is, as it is should consist of eating a piece of cake, opening a card with a $50 gift card to Chili's, and that's it. The whole ceremony should last no more than 25 minutes, and everybody can get back to their lives. That, anyway, is my approach to birthdays, but as mentioned, it certainly was not Obama's. Uh, the Daily Wire reports, quote, photos and videos were leaked from former President Barack Obama's 60th birthday party over the weekend, despite a photography ban that was implemented for those who were invited. Quote, celebrities, politicians, and a couple hundred other close friends and family members packed in to celebrate former President Barack Obama's 60th birthday Saturday in what was billed as a scaled back bash amid rising concerns about the fast-spreading Delta variant of COVID, according to the New York Post. Yet A-lister streamed in, into Martha's Vineyard for the swanky soiree at Obama's $12 million seaside mansion, and few were spotted wearing masks. Rapper Trap Beckham and manager TJ Chapman allegedly snapped and posted images from the birthday bash and were later forced to delete. A separate report from the Daily Mail stated that hundreds of people attended the event, which comes after reports said that it was supposed to be significantly scaled back from nearly 500 guests and roughly 200 event staff. Now, um... We should note that, as it is noted there, the nary a mask was seen in any of the leaked footage from the birthday extravaganza. Hundreds of people packed together, 
including prominent figures from D.C. and Hollywood, dancing and carrying on, spraying their unmasked fumes on one another. And as they did this, of course, um, states across the country are reinstating mask mandates. Lockdowns are coming next. Millions of children also will be subjected to these regulations as they return to school, if they return to school. And meanwhile, countless Americans have lost their businesses. Elderly people in nursing homes have been forced to die alone by the thousands with no contact with their families. Average people forced to endure unspeakable hardship, all in the name of COVID safety, while the elites, the very people pushing these policies and instating them, partied up on Martha's Vineyard. But don't worry, though. The White House correspondent for The New York Times went on CNN yesterday and explained why this is all actually okay. Listen. Other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. Ah, uh, yes. The greatest protection from the virus is sophistication. I guess that's why, according to studies I've read, nobody has ever gotten COVID while sitting in an expensive leather chair and reading 19th century French literature while classical music is playing in the background. Nobody ever has, according to studies that I made up. But then again, that's a different kind of sophistication than the sophistication of a 60-year-old man dancing to rap music at his birthday party. So I don't know. I guess we'll need some more studies to sort all of this out. In any case, obviously many people are quite upset about the perceived double standard on display here. But it's important to keep a couple of things in mind. First, um, this is not really a double standard at all. The message from the elites is quite simple and remarkably consistent. They are better than, than us. They are more important. They reside on a different and more significant plane of existence. The rules are for us, not them. They're very clear about that. You see, it, it, it doesn't matter if we are deprived of life's joys or even life's necessities. Or if it matters, it doesn't matter that much. So let's be fair about that. They're, they're not saying it doesn't matter at all. They're just saying it doesn't matter that much. It's not, it's not, it's not a big concern. Like you, you might see a mouse in a cage and feel a little bad that all it has is some water and maybe an old cardboard tube to run through. And you might feel kind of bad. It's like you, you think, what kind of life would that be? But then you figure it, it can manage. It can make do because it's a mouse. And you are you. You wouldn't want to live that way, but it's just a mouse. Obama and his friends feel about us how we feel about the mouse. They look down on us in our cage and say, ah, poor things, trapped in there. Well, it's probably for the best. Anyway, back to the party. And then that's what they do. They get back to dancing and sipping their $40 cocktails. This is not a, a double standard, really. It's, it's one standard. The standard is important people can do important people things. Unimportant people can make do with their cage. They're not going to come out and say that exactly, but they'll get pretty damn close to saying it if you pay attention. One other point. Um, rather than wasting energy getting mad at Obama and his ilk, I think it's better to emulate them, at least in one way. Do as they do. You know, live as they live. You might not have their financial means, and hopefully you don't share their moral derangement or their belief that most of the world's population is subhuman and inferior to yourself. Hopefully you don't share that part, but you should follow their lead at least in this respect. They clearly are not worried about COVID. They never have been. They want you to fear it, 
but they don't. They're living their lives. They always have been living their lives. They never stopped. This has been the case all along. We keep seeing these stories about birthday parties and celebrations and having banquets and everything. They want you to cower and shake in fear, locking yourself away, hiding behind a muzzle whenever you leave the house. But that's not how they conduct themselves. You know, they are living normally. So should you. Now, I don't know if this will make you feel better or not. But you should realize that COVID is probably endemic at this point. And what that means is it's not going anywhere. We will always have it with us. What's more, you're going to get COVID if you haven't already. You are going to get it. You will. Now, they tell us now that even the vaccinated are getting it in large numbers. That's what they're telling us. So everyone's getting it. Everyone will get it. So what are you worried about? What is there to be anxious about? Anxiety comes from the unknown. When you don't know what's going to happen, that's what makes people anxious. You walk into a dark room, you can't see anything. You don't know what's in there. That's why people are anxious in the dark. But this is not an unknown. There's there's a lot of certainty here. Uh, Almost a sort of comforting certainty. It's out there and you'll get it. You'll get a lot of other stuff too. You'll get cancer eventually. 100% guaranteed you will get cancer unless you die first. That's the only way out. And you will die. As I've tried to remind you many times, you will die. You will suffer and you will die. And you cannot escape it. This is the life you were born into. All living beings were born into it. What makes us unique is that we're aware of our situation. We know that we'll die. We can count the days. We can see the graves and know that soon we'll be in one. So there are two paths you can take once you've contemplated these facts, and you should contemplate them. One is to hide away, to be paralyzed in fear, to be so worried about protecting your life that you don't do anything with it, treating life like some sort of collector's item, keeping it up in the, you know, keeping it in the package, up on the shelf, out of harm's way, just useless up there. The other path is to go outside, feel the sun, breathe the air, live your life while you can, because what else is there to do with it? The elites in this country have certainly chosen that path. They get a lot of other things wrong. I wouldn't suggest modeling yourself after them in any way except that. They are living their lives while telling you to go and walk the other path. Don't listen to them. Do as they do on this point, not as they say. Now let's get to our five headlines. And now, time to check in with Rock Auto. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before, but why go to the auto parts store when you can just go to rockauto.com, especially when it's so hot outside, mosquitoes are going crazy. I mean, I really just walk, I, I avoid the outside right now. I'm, a, I'm more of a hermit than usual, but just walking from my car to the door, I'll get attacked by about 56 mosquitoes. One more reason that you want to stay inside, and if you need auto parts, pull out your phone, go on your laptop, and go to rockauto.com. They always have the lowest prices possible, and you know if you see it on rockauto.com, you're getting the best selection, you're getting the lowest prices, and whatever it is there, it's the best you're going to get, uh, and it's always very good. They're a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is... uh, 
very extensive, it's unique, and very easy to navigate at the same, same time. All you gotta do is plug in your vehicle, you can choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer, and it's as easy as that. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car, truck, and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you. All right, let's jump right into this, because I'm, I uh, am excited about this. And I, I saw this video on Friday, shortly after the show wrapped, and I've just been waiting for Monday, so that I, if you haven't seen it, I could play it for you, and we can give this uh, this gentleman the credit he deserves. So, before we play the, the clips here, here's the post from the, the the headline from the New York Post says: Store owner gets in heated exchange with transgender woman over offensive sign. It's an offensive sign. We're told that's many headlines saying that offensive. He's being offensive. And then we're told, the owner of a Washington State Star Wars memorabilia store got caught on video having a shouting match with a transgender politician who confronted him over a sign in his window that said, if you're born with a penis, you are not a chick. Only they use the word for penis that rhymes with, uh, with chick. If you're born with that, you're not a chick. That's, that's what the sign said. That's the offensive sign. It's a, that, that's, that is a plain fact. So this man already, here's what we know about this man. Um, he believes in, in the truth and he's, uh, he's an advocate for science education because that's what that site is, is educating you on a, 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 a unavoidable fact of biological science. But the article goes on, says Tiesa Meskis, a council woman, quote unquote, in the town of Aberdeen stormed into the Sutcher and Sons Star Wars shop and had words with owner Don Sutcher on Wednesday over the handwritten message that he posted. According to King 5 TV, um, you could see, and we'll play the video here. This is where the video picks up. Uh, Meskis comes in, is shouting at Sutcher, saying trans women are win- women, so on and so forth. Very offended by the sign. And uh, that's where the video picks up, and we'll play it right now. Here it is. I'm telling you right now, as a trans woman, trans women are women. Well, I'm telling you, you, as a man, that's bull****. Uh-huh. It is, it's total bull****. Okay. You know what? Nobody confronts you. That's the problem. Really? If they'd say, really? What the? You want to bet? What the? <laughs> is you know going what? Do you know how many there? people you've embarrassed at, oh, at City wow. Hall? Me an there embarrassment to, to City Hall. Have to really. tolerate that city, sir. You are an embarrassment to this. city. I am a pillar in this city. Everybody knows. I'm a pillar in this. Now oh, you yeah. do that. Do you know why? Every time some bull like this happens. Uh-huh. My sales go up because people are wanting this. Really, really, really. We're going to show them the side of you, and you do it. You do it. You do it really good. Because guess hopefully what? Hopefully, we can wake you up. You are nuts. Let's wake you up. You to the are truth, nuts. Sir. You're not a woman. You don't look like a woman. Uh-huh. You don't act like a woman. Really? You're in the head. What's oh, wrong really? with you? I'm in the head. I am. I am confronting you. Yes, sir. That you are, an and I'm confronting. Oh man, that is, uh, I, this guy, I want to adopt him as my grand. I want him to adopt me and be my grandfather. That's what I want. Um, and he's a, and this is a, the guy, the guy who owns a star Wars memorabilia shop. I mean, this is, I, I am finding unity with someone who's a, who's dedicated their life to being a star Wars fan. What does that tell you? And that's, I, I, I unironically, and I, I don't even mean this as a joke, I'm dead serious. If I was President of the United States, I would give him the Medal of Freedom. And if it was up to me, I'd nominate him for a Nobel Peace Prize. I really would. 
Because I, of course, am as fed up with this as he is. And this is what I've been, this is what we're talking about. This is what I'm talking about last week. We always talk about it. That this, this is the point people need. People need to reach this point. Where you're not going to cower and back down. Someone comes in there and they get in your face. This offends me. I don't like it. I don't care. This is the truth. It's just the truth. You're not going to scare me. And because here's, here's what makes this video so refreshing. The, the, the beginning part of it, we've seen that a million times, right? We've seen it a million times where someone in, 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 someone in the protected class and the most protected class of all is, quote, unquote, trans women, um, men who identify as women, the most protected of all. And once they have spoken, that is supposed to be the end of the conversation. Once they come along and say, oh, um, what you just said offends me, then your response is supposed to be, well, never mind. Whatever I said, it was wrong. I'm so sorry. I, I beg for your forgiveness. Please forgive me. And so we've seen the beginning of the video where the person comes in and confronts and says, this offends me. The rest of that is not usually how that ends, because usually the person who is the offender, the supposed offender, then they start, then they collapse into a puddle and they beg for forgiveness. And this guy just stands there and says, I don't care. Whatever. It's the truth. You say you're a woman. You're wearing a dress. But you're not. You're not a woman. You just aren't. That is not true. Uh, it even gets better, though. Another quick clip here. As the, as the confrontation moves from inside the comic book, or the member, sorry, the memorabilia store, and it goes, it spills outside, and uh, they continue. And this is where um, the trans person tells uh, our friend Don that, "Hey, this really hurts my feelings. I, I don't, I don't like how this makes me feel what you're saying." And here's uh, Don's response to that. Let's watch. And some people think it's hurtful. Well, he told us that this hurt. But here's the thing: I don't give about feelings anymore. I'm seventy. I'm eight. I went to Vietnam to fight for all this. Do you think I care about some feelings? Absolutely not. Thank you, sir. That's it. And this is especially what we need. We need, you know, and I, and I hate to say this. I, I wish that my generation or the younger generations could stand up against that, but there, but unfortunately, there are so few of us that are that are that even have our our, our heads screwed on correctly with this. Um, and in the younger generations, I mean, they've been indoctrinated into this from, from, from infancy. So it's almost hopeless. What we really need is sort of like the final service that uh, that, that generation can perform for us. And they've, done, and they've performed many other services. But we really need them to just stand up and say, I, you know, <laughs> I got nothing. This is crazy. I know it's crazy. I'm in my 70s. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm reaching the end of, of my life here eventually. And this is just nuts. What do, what do I got to lose? And that's this guy's attitude. He's 78, as he says, he's, he's 70 bleeping eight years old. What, what does he got? What are you, you going to take from him? He runs a Star Wars shop. What, what do you have over his head? But you see, even, and that's how pervasive this has become, that even this kind of altercation between a, a much older person who has lived, they've lived their entire life. For the first, you know, this guy, the first 70 years of his life, there was no discussion at all about whether or not a man in a dress is actually a woman. 
It was not even discussed. We didn't yet talk about it. And then in his seventh decade, all of a sudden, he's supposed to change what he has known to be true for the past, for the previous seven decades? And at least he's willing to stand there and say, no. You talk, no, you can't, you can't just come along here and expect me to, after 78 years to abandon everything I know about reality because, it, because you're upset. And he's willing to say that, but so many people, this is not just a younger person problem, older people too. I mean, this country is still being run largely by people in their 70s, and they've all bought in. Joe Biden is 78 years old. And he's running, he's, he's, you know, he might as well dye his hair pink at this point. Running around South, he, he, his, his rhetoric at 78, Joe Biden, he sounds like a 19-year-old gender studies major. And that's the case for so many people, but at least here's one guy willing to um, simply speak the simple truth. It, it, it's, it's sad that this is a notable event at all. That I got to spend t- that I'm spending ten minutes talking about it. There should be nothing notable about this whatsoever. This is a rational guy being confronted by an irrational person and simply speaking some really basic fundamental truth about reality. And that should be that that should be there should be nothing notable about that. But it is because there are so few people who are willing to do that these days. So, Don Sutcher, American hero. Um, let's make him president. You know, we're, we're electing 78-year-olds these days, so why not him? Let's see, moving on. Vice President Kamala Harris recorded a video to address the Texas voting law, the one that Texas Democrats fled the state to avoid and uh, ended up spreading COVID all over the eastern seaboard in the process. But here's what Harris has to say about that. Let's watch I have often thought these past months about what exactly President Johnson would think about what's going on, especially here in Texas, a state that was as sacred to him as the vote is to democracy. Every iteration of the Texas bill would in some way limit vote by mail, drive through voting, and make it otherwise more difficult to vote. There are similar bills being considered in many other states bills that would severely limit the options voters have to vote, to make it more difficult for them to vote. And here's the truth. Not everyone can stand in line for hours to vote in person on election day, nor should they have to. Americans deserve options to be able to cast their ballot. And that is why President Joe Biden and I are calling on Congress to pass the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Uh, not, not everyone can wait in line for hours on Election Day. Really? Who can't? Who is not able to do that? Who exactly are you referring to? Um, okay, I can think of one category. Service members, members of the military who are overseas. Okay, I mean, they, they literally cannot. It's just not, not possible. They wouldn't be allowed to leave. They'd be prevented by the government from doing that. Um, so that is, there's, there's one group. A, you know, people deployed overseas by the United States government in the military. 
they are being prevented by the government from going and voting in person, which makes sense because you can't obviously ship them all back home to vote and then back again. Wouldn't be very efficient. So there's one group. Okay, fine. You get absentee voting for that. Um, who else, though? Who, who, who are these other people? Of the people who live here in the United States and are not deployed overseas on some sort of uh, military mission, who are the people who can't stand in line? Or sit in line? Or wait in line in whatever manner or fashion you prefer. You can lie on the ground if you want to, probably. I wouldn't recommend it, but you probably could. Who are the people that can't carve out? And you can't tell me, well, what are people that have jobs that day? I get it. I have a job. I work during the day. But you, it's not like you wake up one day and you turn on the news and they say, oh, election! it's, it's election time. Everyone get out there and vote. We, we decided to move it up a year and a half randomly. Just, you know, kind of keep things fresh. No, that doesn't happen. You know exactly when voting day is going to be. You know years in advance. So if you want to vote and you're, you're, the hours at your job wouldn't normally allow it, you've got years ahead of time to ask for that time off. Um, and many employers are happy to give the time off for, to go vote, even the ones that aren't. Again, you could, if, if you want to go vote, you need to use some time off. You've got, you got plenty of time in advance to plan for this and to make sure that you could do it if it's really a priority. Now, you might say, um, well, it's not worth it to me. Like, I don't want to take a couple hours. I only get so many hours that I get off every year. I don't, wanna, I don't even want to use three hours of my time to go vote. Or it's in the middle of the week. I got other things I want to do. And it's just, it's just not worth it to me to, to, to carve out that time. To well, then I would say apparently voting isn't all that important to you. And that's fine. As you know, I, I am unlike most people when it comes to this. I'm not going to sit here and shame you. If you were to just come out and admit and say, it's not that important to me. You know, I'll vote if, if, um, if, if they make it so easy that I almost, that it's, that even I would be convinced to do it, then maybe I'll do it. But, but other than that, I, I just don't care that much. I'm not going to shame you for that. I'm not going to sit here and say voting is a sacred right that all Americans must participate. Our forefathers died so that you could go to the polls and vote. Now, they didn't really, actually. They, they didn't, they didn't uh, have in mind that, that literally every single person without any restriction whatsoever no matter how clueless they are or, or how much they, they what, what a, what a, you know, how much they do or don't contribute to society, that everyone would go vote. That was never the idea. So I'm not going to say that. You, you just you come out and admit, it's not that important to me. Fine, then stay home. Perfectly fine. That's a reasonable choice. I'd rather go to work that day than vote. Cool. But if it's this important, if that's what you believe, if you believe it's a sacred right, it's the most important thing in the world, blah, 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 et cetera, then I don't see why people can't carve out the time given how much notice we have. You could plan right now. Okay, here we are in 2021. You want to vote next year in the midterms. You want to vote in uh, the talking presidential election. You want to vote 2024. You got three years to get planning. I'm sure you can handle it. All right. Um, next here, there's 
increased panicking, at least in the media, and they want panicking. The media is pretending to panic, and they want the rest of us to panic over um, the alleged case of children filling up the hospitals because of COVID. That's what we're being told. Now, here's another article from the New York Post. It says, pediatric hospitals in Florida have become completely overwhelmed, quote unquote, with young patients battling COVID-19 amid the spread of the highly contagious Delta variant, a doctor says. You always love that when they put that at the end of the statement. They make their shocking claim, and then you get to the end, comma, a random person says. The grim development comes as Florida, the grim alleged development, so I'm going to add that in there comes as Florida on Sunday reported having the highest number of children, 172, hospitalized with the coronavirus, according to data from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Okay, but even right there, 100, this is what they are, were being told. Um, 172 children hospitalized with the coronavirus in the entire state of, what is it, like 20 million people in the entire state? Even if that number is accurate, that overwhelms the hospitals? In a state of 20 million people, 172 children are sick, and that that overwhelms the system, is what you're telling us. What, what are we? We're some kind of like third world country. We can't even we can't deal with that. It, it's an overwhelming situation. What the heck happens in a bad flu flu season? We're not, we're not prepared for those realities at all. Um, Dr. Eileen Marty says the number of cases in our hospitals and children, the number of cases in our hospitals in children and our children's hospitals are completely overwhelmed. Well, that sentence doesn't really make any sense at all. The numbers of cases in our hospitals in children and our children's hospitals are completely overwhelmed. What? Um, she said, quote, our pedi- this is, this was her talking to, to CNN. Oddly enough, she gave this interview to CNN. I could. I went on online to try to find the clip of this actual interview so I could play it for you, and I couldn't find it. Maybe I, it's possible I didn't look hard enough. I only took a few minutes to look, but um, I wasn't able to find it, so I'm just reading it to you now. Our pediatricians, the nursing, the staff are exhausted, and the children are suffering, and it is absolutely devastating. Our children are very much affected. We've never seen numbers like this before. Sharp rises in hospital admissions involving kids with COVID-19 have been recorded in other states, too, including Arkansas, which had its own record number of children Wednesday hospitalized with the virus. Um, and, but this all comes from one doctor who says that the, that the children's hospitals are overwhelmed with COVID cases. And it's important to note, she says, that they're overwhelmed with COVID. Because we do know, and I guess we're supposed to believe this is some kind of coincidence, there are other viruses and diseases among children that are spiking right now that send children to hospitals. RSV, for example. There was a, a headline. Um, on um, uh, Time Magazine had a headline just a couple of weeks ago, July 22nd, saying uh, why the respiratory disease RSV is having an off-season surge. And it's all about how this disease is surging. I, we've had, uh, of our four kids, two of them have had R- end up in a hospital with RSV, especially with babies. It's a very serious illness. We take it very seriously. We've gone to the hospital with two kids because of RSV. And if there's a surge in RSV cases, I can see how that would lead to... Um, to hospitals seeing an unusual number of patients. Still, it's in a, in a state with 20 million people, an unusual number of cases should not overwhelm the hospitals. 
But then again, we have to keep in mind that the word overwhelm, that's not like a scientific word. That's kind of a, that's subjective. That's a judgment. Um, So we know that that's happening. And when the media reports that that children's hospitals are allegedly overwhelmed, are they including that in the picture and not telling us? That could very well be the case. But we also have to keep in mind, we have one, one doctor in Florida who's gone on the record and said that children's hospitals specifically are overwhelmed from COVID, not from anything else. And she's the one doctor to say that in the state. We haven't heard from any others that have said that as far as I know. And that conflicts with everything we've seen in the data from the very beginning. We could run through all the numbers again. I think it's off the top of my head, um, the mortality rate in children from coronavirus, because there's been 41, you know, almost 42 million cases. And the number of children that have died is like three, you know, 300, less than 400 so far. Um, And that means that point, I think it's 0.008% of children have died from COVID. Very, very sad when any child dies of anything. Very sad when anyone dies of anything, especially when it's a child. But that rate of death is extremely low. Thank God it's so low. We know the hospitalization rate is not quite that low, but it's pretty, it's, it's extremely low as well. All of the data from the very beginning has told us this. And yet we have one doctor who makes a claim that contradicts that. That is not what you would expect to see based on all the data we have. And of course, that doctor ends up in the headlines. Her claim ends up making a headline. Unqualified headlines. Florida, Florida Children's Hospitals filling up, overwhelmed. All right, uh, what else we got here? Okay, I want to tell you about this story because this is just um, remarkable in, in a lot of bad ways. This report is from KHQ in Washington, um, local news affiliate down there. It says, there's no question that Shane Goldsby assaulted and killed Robert Munger inside the Airway Heights Correctional Center. The question is, why were they assigned to live together in the same prison cell? Munger, a 70-year-old convicted child rapist, died after Goldsby hit Munger in the face and head around about 14 times, stomped on his head at least four times, and kicked a couple more times before walking away and being taken into custody by correction guards. Uh, Munger was convicted on multiple child molestation charges in 2019. He was sentenced to 43 years in prison. Um, sex offenders are considered marked men in state prisons nationwide, like in California, where sex offenders are killed in prison at a rate that is double the national average. Um, what about the risk, though, when a sex offender is put in the same cell with their victim's older brother? Now, this is the part that is hard to believe, but this is what's being reported, and there are some sources for it. It says, Goldsby, um, Goldsby himself, also Cindy Elliott, who's the mother of... Um, the mother of Goldsby and also the mother of the child that was reportedly victimized by Munger. And an anonymous tipster said that Munger raped Goldsby's little sister, who is still a minor. The reporter says, I talked to Goldsby, who is currently in uh, the jail facing a new charge, premeditated murder. And then he goes on. He talks about it. He says what he claims, and they've got apparently three sources, and this has now been reported by multiple media outlets, that um, Shane Goldsby was put in a prison cell with this Munger guy. And Munger, not only a serial child rapist, that we know for sure, convicted of that. But apparently, according to these reports, he he actually raped Goldsby's little sister and told him about it. 
Munger, the rapist, told Goldsby and started taunting him with details of his little sister's rape. And uh, also, apparently, reportedly, Goldsby went to uh, the prison officials and he went through the process of trying to get transferred to a new cell and they wouldn't transfer him. And finally, he says he just snapped and he had enough of it and he beat the guy to death. And now he's getting 25 years in prison for that. Um, This is sort of an easy case for me to adjudicate personally because uh, even without the detail of this guy raping Goldsby's little sister, even taking that aside, um, I wouldn't give him 25 years in prison. Even if he was just sort of generally angry and upset that this man is a serial child rapist, I'm not giving you 25 years in prison for that. I mean, if anything, I'm thinking about an early release because of that. And I, and I, again, that, this is, that is also not a joke. I actually, I kind of mean that sincerely. I, th- this is why, and if you don't like it and you say, well, we can't have vigilante killings and stuff like that in prison. And, and I mean, and you're right from a, from a reasonable perspective, you, you can't have that for the sake of the, of, um, of the safety of everyone in the prison, not to, not the child rapist, but everyone, including the prison guards, you can't just, you know, allow people, allow the inmates to kill each other willy nilly in the prison yard. But, um, if, if we're saying that child rapists are so heinous and such absolute monstrous scumbags that you can't even put them around other scumbags, you can't even put them around murderers and people that have done other horrible things, but not that horrible. Like even those people don't want to be around someone like that then I think that tells us that this is the kind of crime where if you commit that, we should probably, rather than leaving the inmates to take care of it, probably the state should take care of it. You see, you lock that person in a, in a cell on death row and then you take care of them that way. There should be, that should be an execution. I think that's a, that's a pretty good way to, to judge these things. If it's the kind of crime where we cannot put you in with general population because they would be so disgusted by you that they wouldn't be able to stop themselves from killing you, then probably, it might not work this way every time, depends on what the crime is, but that's a pretty good indication that you should be eligible for death row. It is crazy to me that even in states where we still have capital punishment, in no state that I'm aware of can you be executed for simply raping a child. That's the idea. Well, if you just do that, then we're not going to execute you. You have to, you, have to, you have to also kill someone. As long as you haven't killed anyone, then you're not going to be eligible for, for death row. So you could have someone who murdered one person. They go, they go on death row. I'm fine with that. Um, and then you could have someone else who, let's say, raped 40 kids. No death row for them. Because everyone physically survived it. Emotionally, mentally, psychologically, it's another story. But physically, everyone survived it. Even if barely. And that's not going to be eligible for death row. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. There's no justice in that whatsoever. And then you add in the detail about uh, his sister. Here, here's what I'll say. The person who should be doing If we're giving 25 years to anybody, it should be the prison officials responsible 
for putting this poor guy in a cell with the, the monster who raped his sister. That's the person we give 25 years to. For Shane Goldsby, you know, at worst, here's what I, at, at worst, if you feel like you have to do something, you give him a, you give him a, give him a slap on the wrist, maybe a literal slap on the wrist. You say, hey, don't do that. Don't kill child rapists. We don't do that here. No, no, no. Then send him about his day. All right, let's move on to reading the YouTube comments. This is from Malachi. Uh, interesting comment. It says, Matt, leaving aside specific situations, I think you're making a strategic error in repeatedly urging people to unilaterally speak out. In the present environment, each person who unilaterally speaks out ends up being destroyed, uh, losing their job, etc. Each such daily cancellation just serves as a powerful reminder to everybody else to shut up or face dire consequences. Shades of Gulag Archipelago. Your faulty advice is akin to having having an army of millions of soldiers and then ordering them to line up and march out single file one by one, minute after minute, into Gatling gunfire. Attacking in this way, the outcome is clear. We see it daily. Each of your soldiers gets killed one by one. And moreover, the residual soldiers still waiting in line, wait in silent fear. What is necessary ultimately is coordinated protest slash responses such as boycotts and the imposition of large-scale negative consequences on the other side when they cancel without valid reason. Until they face coordinated negative consequences, they have nothing to fear in firing away. Well, I, you, you raise plenty of good points, and I don't, I don't think this has to be an either-or proposition. I think coordinated campaigns are good. Boycotts have a place. I don't know how effective they ultimately are, but I'm not against them in principle. So there's a place for that. Um, I think we have to do that. But but also, there, there's nothing that can replace just ordinary people living their everyday lives according to their principles and not being afraid to speak them and live according to them. Because if we're not going to do that, then all the boycotts in the world won't mean a damn thing. And the other thing to remember here is you're saying, well, we don't want one at a, one, one at a person. We don't want to send them in front of the firing line. Well, I get that, but I'm not talking about us all taking turns. I'm not saying that we each take turns and I say, well, today is my day to live according to convictions and to live like I have common sense and I understand basic truths about science and morality and so on. This is my turn. Tomorrow you'll do it. Tomorrow you know, we, we have like a, a, a seating chart or something. I'm not saying that. I'm saying all of us together should be doing that. Don Sutcher. Okay, yeah, I mean, he put the sign out on his, on his, uh, on his uh, storefront. So he put himself out there a little bit. But other than that, you know, he's not, he's, as far as I know, he's not walking around in, in, in his daily life looking for confrontation, except for the little sign he put on his, on his uh, store, which is just a funny sign. But when someone came up to him and expected him to cower and back down and abandon common sense and truth and reason, he just said, no, I'm not going to. That's it. I'm not going to. My point is, we should all be living that way right now, all together. And if we all did that and responded to those kinds of situations the way that Don Sutcher did, it, it would make an, an enormous difference. And there's no replacing that. There is no coordinated effort that will replace that. Because, we, again, we can have all the boycotts in the world, but if we're all living in such a way that someone can come up to us in our personal lives and hector us into abandoning truth and reason, if that's what we're all going to do in our personal lives, the boycotts don't mean a damn thing. Because the enemy has still won. 
you know, you, then, then the boycott or whatever you're talking about here becomes like a runner-up prize, just making ourselves feel a little bit better. But we've still lost. Because in, in, a, in the way that we live our lives, we have abandoned what we know to be true. and We cannot do that. So we should all be doing it together. And how do you encourage people to, to do it? Well, you know, there, many times there have to be at least some people who are willing to charge out into the fire first to embolden everybody else. I mean, someone has to go. Otherwise, everyone's just going to be you know, crouched down in the trenches, afraid to get up and, and make a charge. So there have to be some of us who are willing to just go for it at the beginning. And then hopefully everyone else joins in. And if they don't, then shame on them. Then they've given up and the war is lost and that's it. Um, Larry says, the Black Plague was hard to miss. Without mass media where I live, COVID is hard to notice. The sickness in blue cities is very apparent. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hear this a lot and it's, it's sort of an interesting thing. Of course, it's anecdotal. I don't know how much you can really take from it. But um, I hear a lot from people. They say, hey, you know, I... I don't know anyone who has died from COVID or even been seriously ill from COVID. I hear, that's the case for me. I don't know a single person. I certainly don't know anyone who's died of COVID. I don't know anyone who was in the hospital with COVID. Um, I know some people who have had it, but it was basically mild, mild to moderate. That's, that's all I've seen. And there are a lot of people in, in, in the same boat. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the media has to go overboard in convincing you to be afraid of it. Because if you just went based on your own experience, you would say, yeah, this is a sickness. It's, uh, it makes me, you know, it's, it's not fun to deal with, but it's not, um, it's not anything for me to cower in my, in my house over. So, but again, I mean, I, that, that also is a reflection on, uh, of just how comfortable we are in our lives. Because I also don't know that many people who have died of anything at this point in my life. I know some, but not many. And that's very different. You know, I'm 35 years old. If I was 35 years old living at any other point in history prior to modern times, at this point in my life, I would probably have had at least one child who had died. I've, both my parents would be dead for sure by now. Um, I, I, I would have seen plenty of death and, and, and destruction all around me. Um, so, and that goes back to the fact that we all live this way, insulated from death, and then this thing intrudes into our, our lives and forces people to confront death. And that's where they become so afraid. They don't know how to deal with it. They have no frame of reference. Um, uh, let's see. Bobby says, hey, Matt, I was on a 15-hour road trip over the last few days, and I listened to your show for at least 10 of those hours. Thanks for keeping me sane and inter entertained. So you spent, you spent five hours not listening to the show? How dare you, sir? You're banned. Of course. And Beth says, can the sweet babies get a sarcastic reading of Vax That Thing Up? Well, I wouldn't dream of being sarcastic about something like this, okay? Something that combines the two things that I care the most about, vaccines and juvenile. I would never be sarcastic. But if you want to hear the lyrics to that song, um, uh, here they are. You fin the online date, yeah. Find a mate, yeah. Open up BLK, yeah. Okay, yeah. Profile pic looking tight, yeah. Nice, yeah. Got your boy reading right, yeah. Precise, yeah. But before you find a date, yeah, you got to wait, yeah. Gotta go vaccinate, yeah. Get it straight, yeah. Girl, you looks good. Won't you vax that thing up? He is a handsome young brother. Won't you vax that thing up? Date in real life. You need to vax that thing up. Feeling freaky all night? 
You need to vax that thing up. I know you can't stand it, no holding hands, chick. But when we get the shot, we're gonna be romantic. Girl, you can be the queen after quarantine. We can meet up at the spot and we can do the thing. Internet date, yeah, I'm the mate, yeah. Download the app, shorty. You ain't gotta wait, yeah. I love it when you hold me. Eggplant emoji. You can be the young hot thing. I'd be the OG. It's just beautiful. Um, beautiful. Even Somehow I thought the original back that up could not ever be topped. And then I found out that they were going for the remix and I thought there's no way. This is like trying to remake The Godfather. It, it, it's it's a, to repaint the Mona Lisa. It, it's, it cannot possibly capture that same beauty and majesty once again. And, um, and, uh, and I was wrong. So that's the last time I will ever doubt the artist known as Juvenile. You know, America has reached a breaking point where the onus is on the people to stand up and say no to the authoritarianism creeping into our country under the leadership of our new administration. I don't like where this is headed, but thankfully Ben Shapiro wrote an excellent, intensely researched, now best-selling book about it, and it's best-selling for a reason. You could find out that reason for yourself by just picking up a copy of The Authoritarian Moment. Um, and, uh, unfortunately for all of us, this book could not be more timely, but fortunately for us, it gives you everything you need to know about authoritarianism, where it comes from, what's happening right now and what we can do about it. The authoritarian moment is now available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or any other major bookseller. So go and get your copy now. Also, if there's one person that's always trending for her controversial and thought provoking takes, it is Candace Owens. And now you can have a chance to meet her and hear her drop those truth bombs live and in her studio audience. If you sign up now as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you'll get 25% off your new membership and be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip for two to the Daily Wire studios in Nashville to see Candace live dropping those bombs, as the kids would say. Not only will you meet Candace herself, you'll be getting an inside look at her studio and front row seats to watch her destroy the left's insidious ideology on her talk show, Candace. So get a great deal on a new Daily Wire membership at dailywire.com slash subscribe with code VIP and 25% off so you automatically will be entered for a chance to win the VIP experience. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we have the distinct honor and pleasure of canceling Nike. Of course, Nike provides us with many reasons to cancel it. The sweatshops and forced labor would certainly make the list. But today I'm, I'm, char- I'm charging them with a, a crime almost as serious as those. That is the crime of cringe. Nike has extensive experience with producing cringe of all types, especially in commercial form. But none of their cringe offerings have ever quite reached the level of this commercial, which they just released in honor of the women's Olympic basketball team winning another gold medal. When you hear that the women's Olympic basketball team won a gold medal, I'm sure your first thought is, wait, the women have their own Olympic basketball team? I was just as surprised as you. Apparently, this team not only exists, but has had a lot of success on the world stage, which brings back the old, the age-old riddle, you know, if women win a basketball game in the forest and nobody watches, did the game really happen? Some philosophers say no, but the philosophers at Nike say yes. In fact, Nike goes quite a bit beyond that, not willing to settle with the typical girl power virtue signaling. The company put out an ad unironically claiming, that the women's Olympic basketball squad, due to its prowess in defeating teams of five foot six inch females, is the greatest dynasty of all time. And by the way, I'm not kidding about the height. They beat uh, Japan for the gold, and a quarter of Japan's roster is five and a half feet or shorter. They actually had one lady on the court who was five foot four inches. Their tallest player was seven inches shorter than our tallest player. 
And that's not to take anything away from the U.S. women's Olympic basketball team. Well, maybe it takes a little bit away. But mainly it's just to say to Nike, hey, slow your roll a little bit because this might be overkill. Let's watch. Today I have a presentation on dynasties. But I refuse to talk about the ancient history and drama. That's just the patriarchy. Instead, I'm going to talk about a dynasty that I actually look up to. An all-women dynasty. Women of color. Gay women. Women who fight for social justice. Women with a jump shot. A dynasty that makes your favorite men's basketball, football, and baseball teams look like amateurs. A dynasty with fire braids. A dynasty with sick style. A dynasty with crazy dimes. A dynasty that makes Alexander the Great look like Alexander the... Okay. The dynasty that's been reigning for the past 25 years. Undefeated since 96. The USA basketball women's national team. Seven-time consecutive gold medalist. And most importantly, women that made it possible for girls like me to feel like they can be a part of whatever dynasty they want. The greatest dynasty ever. If I was a teacher and a, te- and a kid handed in that assignment, I would expel them from school if I had that authority. But who can argue with that? I mean, 12 women playing in a basketball tournament where nobody knows how to dunk are more impressive than a man who conquered most of the known world and reshaped the globe and became one of the most consequential humans to ever live on the planet all before the age of 32. I mean, who can argue? And who can argue that the women's basketball team makes all men's teams in all sports look like amateurs? You know, better even than the Dream Team or the 07 Patriots or the 96 Bulls or the 98 Yankees or the 85 Bears. And this is the case even though the women's basketball team would be thoroughly destroyed by a team of actual amateur men. In fact, an above-average boys' high school team would easily defeat the women's Olympic team, and the score would not be close. But sure, yeah, those women are the most spectacular and imposing collection of human beings ever assembled on planet Earth. Who could argue? Well, I suppose anybody with a rudimentary knowledge of sports history or world history or simply current events could argue. Though perhaps they won't argue for fear of being called sexist. Now, you could say that this is just a bit of hyperbole meant to motivate and excite the 30 or 40 girls in the country who are in the market for basketball shoes. Uh, More importantly, you might speculate, Nike is trying to signal to our cultural overlords that it's on their side. Please forgive us for the sweatshop and slavery stuff. Don't you see we're saying nice things about women? Not just women, but women of color and gay women. These women are really good at basketball. Really good. Not impressed yet? I mean, okay, well, these women are the best basketball players of all time. No, no, no. They're the best athletes of all time. No, no, no. Wait, we can do better. They're the greatest humans who have ever lived anywhere on planet Earth. Do you like us yet? Are you satisfied? Will you be our friend? Are we woke enough? All other humans are scum, not worthy to kiss the feet of these WNBA players. Too far? Where's the line here? Just tell us where the line is and we'll tow it. Just tell us. No doubt that's the point. Still, even so, it's worth thinking about, I think, the larger societal trends that this commercial fits in with. For one thing, we see this now familiar zero-sum game between the sexes. It's not enough to simply say, hey, nice job, ladies. Congrats on the gold medal. You did a wonderful job. No, in order for women to be appreciated, men must be depreciated. In the eyes of our culture, women cannot be appropriately recognized if men are also recognized. There's only room for one on the stage. Of course, as always, the ironic effect of all these over-the-top attempts to compliment women is that it ends up being quite insulting to women. It's sort of like when my four-year-old son this weekend was very proud of himself because he figured out how to bounce a ball off of the wall and catch it again. And he showed me, and I clapped, and I I gave him a high five, and I said, wow, buddy, that's great. And he said, isn't that amazing? And I said, yeah, it's so amazing. 
In truth, of course, there was nothing especially amazing about the achievement, and I would never say this to him, but his older brother was doing that at like two years old. But um, this is the kind of encouragement we give to children because they're just children. And it's also funny in a cute sort of way to see them so proud of doing something so simple. It's one thing to patronize young children this way. Even that could go too far and often does. But to go through this routine for grown women is another thing entirely. Most women don't want to be infantilized like that. And the ones who do want to be infantilized actually need even more to be treated like adults for their own betterment. The other trend is the denigration, of course, of Western civilization's historical heroes. Again, you might say that this is just a commercial. It's not that serious. And you're right in one respect. But the fact that a commercial would so casually claim that none of the great men of history matter at all and that all of them are oppressive patriarchal fascists just tells you how ingrained and mainstream this stuff really is. I mean, it's a bad sign when radical feminist misandry is used to brainwash students in a gender studies class. It's an even worse sign when it's used to sell sneakers. The effect ultimately is to create a society where people are not only terminally ungrateful for the achievements and sacrifices that made it possible for them to be so spoiled in the first place, but also it leads people to being extremely dull and boring. Alexander the Great is a fascinating and immense figure. You could spend your whole life studying him, and many people have. Okay, that, That's how you know you're an important person, is if you become a subject in and of yourself for people thousands of years in the future to study. And history gives us a window, and, uh, and through it, we, we can see many extraordinary figures. And by learning about them and what they achieved and the lessons they taught, we might inherit just a little piece of their complexity and their greatness. Now, imagine rejecting all of that and deciding instead that the pinnacle of human achievement was a women's basketball team in the year 2021. What a boring world that would be. That's the best we ever did. What a boring person you must be to see the world that way. And that ultimately is why I must say to Nike today, you are canceled. And that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, the Taliban surges across Afghanistan, Apple plans to scan people's cell phones for evidence of child sexual abuse, and schools reopen amid more COVID concerns. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. 